Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ of the remnant of true believers. Thank you so much for wanting to be a soldier of truth, a warrior for God in these days that we're living in. And we need to recruit, friends, we need to recruit more remnant believers to do the work God called us to do because a lot of people have backed down, they have compromised, they have backed out of culture, and I'm talking about Christians and churches. So we need to rally the remnant. But before we do, we've got uh, two guests today. But uh, let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for giving us this time to talk about these important issues that Christians in our country, in this world, need to deal with. It's, it's almost getting impossible to ignore uh, or deny what's happening around us. So, Father, please give us wisdom. Please help us to never back down, to be bold and unapologetic, unapologetic about the gospel, but also about confronting evil. But, Lord, may we always speak the truth in love and give us a heart of compassion, lead us by your Holy Spirit, and empower us today. Remind us, Lord, uh, that we need to number our days and uh, teach us how to do that, that we may gain hearts of wisdom. We know that you have us here for such a time as this, so if anyone's doubting their purpose or just being here in this difficult time in the year 2021, encourage their hearts today and remind them of the hope that we have in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, before we get to Julian Appling today and a lot of important local and state and national issues we have to get to, I just want to give you some good news. I've been talking about a lot of the, the censorship and the big tech, one-party media conglomerate, but to, today I've got some good news. That interview over the weekend on Understanding the Times with Jan Markell blasted my book sales, Thank You, the Body of Christ, because um, orders are coming in, and I am now, I went from a new release that was, it, you know, go, doing pretty well uh, for Amazon Books, but now it's in the number one bestseller category in religious persecution, in censorship, and in political freedom. Number one new release a few days ago, thanks to the weekend sales, and I'm, I don't know if it'll ever get back to that point, but that's just an amazing, it's a remarkable thing for a self-published book, for a book that's controversial, and for a book that half the church doesn't want to read and doesn't think we should be talking about, canceling Christianity. So thank you, the body of Christ, and um, if you need books, uh, we Lighthouse Christian Store in Green Bay has them, Calvary Chapel Store in Appleton has them. If you want a, a case of books at 50% off, please Give, get a hold of me, comments at standupforthetruth.com. Get a hold of me. I'd love to get you a case of books if you think you can get them into the hands of people that will read them and, and make use of them. So thank you so very much. And if you missed that interview on Understanding the Times, um, look for it. It's, uh, it was such a blessing, and Jan Markell does a phenomenal job. She's always been so supportive. But right now, I want to bring in Jelaine Appling, president of Wisconsin Family Council. We are going to talk about uh, some bills that are being working through the legislative process, and we're going to talk about Pride Month, how our governor has acted, how the president, the administration, the Biden-Harris administration are uh, announcing Pride Month everywhere and critical race theory, these bills. Uh, we're going to talk about public schools. We're going to talk about so much more. Jelaine Appling, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Well, good morning, David and the team there at Q90. Good to be with you, as always. So before we get to some of these feather-ruffling issues, Jelaine, um, <laughs> you are going through chemo, and you're taking an oral form of chemo. You've been through a month. You say you have about four months to go. And our listeners, I want to just remind them to pray for you and to lift you up. And could you give them some specifics and, and just how that process is going right now? Well, I, I thank you. And, and, and please know, I'm going to say this, and, and I mean this with all my heart. I'm nothing special. Um, there are millions and millions of people in the body of Christ right now dealing with cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, just an it's an 
you know, it's a disease that's just terribly prolific. So uh, thank you, David, for your concern and prayers and mm. for those who pray. And I'm, I'm very grateful. But let's remember to pray for each other and all the various illnesses and challenges that we have. And um, so I had uh, a an, an initial diagnosis on my of cancer in my left shoulder of a very rare cancer called carcinosarcoma. And um, I wasn't settled on that. And neither was Frederick Hospital, by the way. Um, and so I went and got a second opinion in April at Mayo. And Mayo said, look, you have invasive basal cell carcinoma. Hmm. It's very rare skin. It's, it's Basal cell carcinoma is a, is a very common skin cancer, and usually it's very easily treated. Mine went inside my shoulder and oh. has, has done a, quite a number in there. Hmm. I've had radiation and... Um, which was which was appropriate under Freighter's direction. But Mayo said, look, this is very treatable. It's curable. Here's what we recommend. And they recommended an oral chemo. And I am self-pay. Now, I work with the wonderful ministry of uh, Christian medical sharing called Samaritan Ministries. I'm not advertising for them, David, but I am letting people know that's what I've chosen for my health care mm-hmm. um, uh, financial you know, approach. And I love it. Absolutely love it. But I was coming up on the cap on my on this incident. $250,000 is the cap. And with radiation and all I've had done on this shoulder, I was getting close. And this medicine wow. they wanted me to take at Mayo is $12,500 a month. Unbelievable. A month. <laughs> and I am like, you know, inside freaking out about this. And I paid for the first month and I was getting ready to, you know, figure out, okay, how do I pay for the second month? And a friend let me on, actually a friend in Christian radio said, you know, you should try the the actual manufacturer of this, uh, this drug. And so lo and behold, I qualified for it. And Mayo was extremely cooperative. They did their part. And Three day, two days after I had inquired about this, I got a call from the manufacturer of this uh, potent poison, and uh, they said, look, you qualify for this. We'll give it to you for as long as you need it for free, for free. That is wow. God stepping in, just absolutely stepping in. So. Wow. Um, by God's grace, I'm taking it. I got about five more months to go. They want me on it for at least six months, and I'm already seeing some good results from it as far as my the discomfort in my shoulder and the mobility, and I'm not having major side effects yet. So Praise thank God. you to those of you who have known about this and prayed, and thank you for those who, as God lays it on your heart, prays for me. But please know. Um, I share in that 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 prayer for others who are dealing with cancer in a much much more serious and aggressive way than I have it. Mm. Amen. And uh, if you need prayer, you know you can always get a hold of us here. We have an email even set up at the radio station that uh, is the vehicle for Stand Up for the Truth, and you can send an email to prayer at q ninety fm dot com. That's the letter Q. Prayer at Q90FM.com. We will get it, and the staff will pray. That's not for on air, so it's very personal. But, Julaine, um, uh, last week you sent me an email. I mean, this was part of your newsletter that you send out to people, just giving them updates on what we're dealing with. And you said you wake up every day perplexed by the state of affairs in which we (laughs) find ourselves and how very un-American it is, and you wonder how we got here so quickly. Before I get into the bullet points that you shared, I want to stop right there. Most Christians, especially the listeners to this podcast, understand that much of this is demonic. The forces behind it are evil, and it's not surprising. What we are sometimes astounded by is how fast things are happening. So the bullet points, forcing COVID vaccines, violating HIPAA rights, cheating an entire generation out of an education— and immigration, human trafficking crisis, unlike anything we've witnessed, the dismantling of peace treaties in the Middle East and isolating Israel, the loss of free speech, hello, especially the Christian voice, transgender men competing in women's sports, critical race theory being pushed in our schools. And let's just stop right there. I don't even think we'll get through all of those today, (laughs) but I'll just let you start with whatever one you'd like, because this is quite an amazing list of things I believe should be addressed one by one. Well, we do need to address them. And, you know, sometimes, David, I don't know about you, but I get criticized every once in a while, even, by the way, from friends in Christian radio (laughs) about why why do we always have to be negative? Why we aren't always negative. I think we're always positive, to be honest with you. We talk about things that have to be talked about, but we talk about them with hope. 
with hope because we have a God who is ultimately in control. He hasn't he hasn't lost control. The world isn't spinning cockeyed on its axis. Things aren't happening without him intervening. Um, and, and, and we do have hope. We know this isn't the last chapter of the story. We know ultimately we win. Our, our, the challenge is for us to be faithful in the midst of this. Mm, and, and to not abandon hope, to not go out and speak truth. And so, you know, we can start wherever you want. I'm, I'm going to start, to be honest with you, I'll start, let's start with public schools. Yes. Are we, I, I think it's important that people understand when you lose in-person instruction, you really are, and to a large degree, there is a major segment of American society that is losing a year of education that will never be replaced. Mm. All right. And and that's what's happened when these people have freaked out about COVID and made d- decisions that were not in the best interests of children Hello. and have shut down in-person instruction in spite of what parents have asked for, in spite of what good science has shown. And I'm telling you, major cities across this country, and let's include Milwaukee, mm-hmm. all right? How do you go back? Mm. How do you go back and replace that year? These are not, when you get into our large cities and inner city situations, you do not have family structures that will support uh, shoring up what these kids have been cheated out of. How do you do that? That is, somebody needs to be held accountable. By the way, I heard an incredible quote this morning when I was coming into work, and it was from a Jewish rabbi who said, the ridiculous must be ridiculed because if we don't ridicule, it will become normal and accepted. Ooh. The root word of ridiculous is the same word as ridicule. Hmm. All right. We, and, and the p- problem with all of these things that we're talking about, David, is they have been, re- they would have been considered ridiculous, what, 15 years ago? Yes. 20 years ago? Yes. And we didn't ridicule them hard enough. We hmm. didn't point them out for what they were. And today, there are there, many of these things in that list have become accepted tragically. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the, you, you, we can go anywhere you want from there. Um, okay. Segue into the, the critical race theory, right? Yes, yes. I've got a lot that we can talk about there. And before we get to that, I didn't have a chance to talk about this yet. Um, but last week, uh, is it Rona or Rana McDaniel? I think it's Rona. Rona McDaniel, Republican National Committee Chair. Now, some of our listeners might disagree with me. That is allowed and welcomed. But um, if you believe in the one true God and the biblical worldview, you'll see our point, because Jelaine and I talked about this before we got on the air, and we are aligned on this. There was a social media post from the GOP uh, official that sent out a confusing message by recognizing Pride Month. Okay, uh, now, while, while acknowledging religious objections to homosexuality in the same statement, so talk about confusing. But here's what uh, Ronna McDaniel, Ronna McDaniel, or Rona McDaniel, tweeted: uh, The uh, Republican Party has doubled our LGBTQ support over the last four years, and we will continue to grow our big tent by supporting measures that promote fairness and balance protections for LGBTQ Americans and those with deeply held religious beliefs. She mentioned, <laughs> she mentioned protections, uh, but we understand we've talked about the Equality Act quite a bit. It does not give equal rights. It gives special rights to LGBTQ individuals, and that would necessarily discriminate against those with a biblical worldview and or, you know, Christian citizens. So, Jelaine, your thoughts on this, I believe it's wrong. I believe Democrats have chosen their platform, which I believe is is evil. They have their marching orders. And if Republicans want to win elections, compromise with the left and blurring the lines on morality and between parties is not a smart move. Take it away. <laughs> well, I don't think it is a smart move. And I look, but the Republican Party has been moving in this direct, for, direction for decades, David. Mm. They have the log cabin Republicans. It used to be the log cabin Republicans, which is the pro-homosexual, pro-LGBTQ plus, um, you know, advocates of under the big tent of the Republicans, used to be, used to be a truly um, almost shunned um, b- branch, if you will, of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Not so much today. Um, they are fiscal conservatives, and so they get welcomed and embraced by the big tent Republicans, and that's certainly what Rona McDaniel, McDaniel is saying. And they have been broadening this tent for decades. So now they feel comfortable enough that they're, and, and they're making a calculation, right? 
Hmm. They're making a calculation yeah. that their base has also bought into the LGBTQ plus that we don't want to, the base by and large doesn't want to be unfair and bigoted and homophobic and transphobic and all the rest of that. All right. And so they're saying, okay, we think the culture now supports our coming out and excuse the pun there, but our coming out, if you will, and showing support for this agenda. Hmm. Now, I, I got to tell you, I'm not sure that the bulk of their base will buy it. I don't think so either. Now, the, you know what we have in our favor on all of this is a secret ballot. All right. It, it's true. We have a secret ballot. And so people who would not come out and say, OK, I disagree with the Republican Party's statement on this. When they go to the ballot box, they'll vote in a way that will reflect that. Now, um, I think that the Republican National uh, Committee has made a very bad misstep. And by the way, they show their abject ignorance about the incompatibility of advancing that agenda while also saying we're going to respect the rights of the people who have religious objections mm. and concerns. You can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Those are they're diametrically opposed. Yep. <laughs> you know? But it's, can we just point out, David, these are people who by and large do not have the mind of Christ. Amen. They are confused. They've been they've been taken captive by a lie, by the father of lies. It's all it's really almost impossible for them to see accurately, clearly and truthfully. Mm. So, you know, it's our job to speak truth into all of yes, this. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So um, we have to recognize that they are not going in the direction of the biblical worldview. They're trying to please everybody. And you, oh, yeah. you cannot when it comes to some of these uh, some of the truth is a divider, David. Yes, it's exactly. a divider. Well, doctrine divides, truth divides. As we know, the most exclusive truth, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No <laughs> one comes to the Father except through me, he said. So we're pointing to him. We believe in him. He's the one that said it. We just happen to believe the truth, and everybody else that has a problem with that, take it up with your creator and mine. Um, Jelaine, um, is that our... No, that's mine. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm putting okay. you on mute right okay. now. Thank you. Thank you. You're busy. But the, I mean, anyway, let's talk a little bit uh, more about what this Equality Act is for our newer listeners, Julaine. And we always, thankfully, we always have a lot of new people tuning in and people referring them to our Standard for the Truth podcast. So in this, the last three minutes of this first segment, could you just recap what you know from a state level and Governor Evers and the Equality Act? Well, look, the Equality Act, Governor Evers, is all all behind. It's a federal issue, but he has thrown his support behind it. What we don't know for sure is where Senator Johnson is from Wisconsin. I think he's opposed to it, but the Equality Act is everything except equality. <laughs> and um, what the governor has done is actually shown his hand by issuing three executive orders that actually, you know, do a lot of what the Equality Act would do at the federal level. Interestingly, David, you know, those executive orders he did for Pride Month really do especially one of them that's dealing with gender neutral language and um, the, the third one that deals with banning conversion therapy. Um, he, he's really advanced the Equality Act here in Wisconsin through those executive orders, tragically. Uh, yes. Well, how about... I don't know how much time we have left, so I don't we, know how we much... We have two minutes now. Oh, okay. Um, you want to well, deal with those? Yeah, sure. Well, there, there are also bills protecting women and girls in yeah. sports that are working through state legislatures across the country. What, do, what can you tell us about that? Oh, the Protect Women Sports Bill. Actually, the Assembly passed ours here yesterday. There, there are wow. two of them, one for the K-12 and one for the collegiate level. Um, they're pretty solid bills. Now, the, the, Senate, the Assembly passed them. All the Republicans voted for them. All the Democrats voted against them. They now go over to the Senate. Um, I'm... I'm pretty sure they'll they'll make it through the Senate. They'll go to Governor Evers. Now, Governor Evers, in light of his executive orders, um, fully supporting Pride Month, he's going to he's going to veto him. However, he's had the opportunity to do the right thing, and when he doesn't do the right thing, the voters in this state need to remember that so that they can do what they need to do the next time we have an election. The Protect Women Sports means that biological males cannot participate in a women's or girls' athletic contest or team it also obviously provides protection for those girls when it comes to who uses the locker rooms and the changing rooms and the restrooms and all of that related to a sports team and so um essentially though these bills are passing because they create an unfair 
advantage for the for the boys who say they are identifying girls as girls to go out and compete in women's sports. Girls are losing scholarship opportunities, yes. championship opportunities all across the country. Uh, n- notably, you should uh, the, the hearing here was fabulous. David it was just fabulous. Mm, really. Um, in both the Senate and the Assembly. It was just really good testimony. Girls and women came from all across the state talking about their experience as women athletes. Uh, an amazing a group of, of people came to testify about that. So I, I'm encouraged that we're talking about this here in Wisconsin and we passed the first le- legislative hurdle and we'll move it on. Okay, can we, uh, we got to take a break, Julaine. Can we talk a little bit about what you heard in some of these testimonies when we come back? Sure. Also, we've got a new disappointing Gallup poll on the support for same-sex marriage. You may not believe these percentages, but then again, maybe you will. And also, we'll be talking with uh, on some pro-life issues a little later on. But more with Julaine Appling of the Wisconsin Family Council in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Julaine Appling is with us, and uh, we, most of us who are listening, uh, we have an issue, most Bible-believing Christians, with biological men uh, competing in women's sports or transgenders. Uh, Julaine, what kind of testimonies did you hear that uh, it sounded like they were really encouraging? Well, they were really encouraging, and um, especially some of these, most of them were... Um, either high school women athletes or collegiate women athletes, and they were talking about their experience. And it has happened here in Wisconsin where we've had a few incidents, but they talked about just stunning numbers, David, of where like the fastest women's time in a swimming event, all right? I, and we're talking Olympic, all right, here, is 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 um, still slower than a fast uh, uh, a boy's time on a high school team. Think about that. That's the kind of biological advantage and wow. strength that, and they talked about this and and how the 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 muscle structure and all of that, and just mm. some of the most te- um, kind of heart rending testimony was to hear these young women say, "I got to the point where I couldn't even." I couldn't bring myself to train anymore oh my goodness. because it was so discouraging knowing that all my training was for naught because I wasn't competing on a level playing field with other people who are truly biological females. The, the deck was stacked against me. And um, one gal testified against the bills. And one of the things she said, uh, a question from one of the committee members was, what do you tell a young girl who is lost to a biological male in an athletic competition. And this is what she said. I say, you didn't train hard enough. Oh my word. Um, and, wow. and you could just hear that the, it was just stunning across the room because these young girls repeatedly said, I trained with everything I had. I mm-hmm. did everything I could to improve myself so that I was competing at the highest level I could possibly do. And I knew where I was against other girls, but I knew as soon as a biological male stepped in there that I was um, I, I was doomed. And the other thing that they talked about was about how gender is, quote, fluid. And, you know, gender is a, you know, is a, I heard it over and over again, assigned at sex. And when I got up to testify, I said, let's get something straight here. Gender is not assigned at sex or excuse me, at birth, at birth. Sex is assigned at the moment of conception. It's your XX or your XY. Mm -hmm. That was another kind of a mic dropping moment. And you could hear the silence settling over the crowd, (laughs) but, but it's very true. And uh, you know, but person after person after person came up and said, look, you know, um, and they were angry, David. Many of them were just very angry yeah. because they felt like they have been cheated. Some of these. Now, I, I preceded um, Title IX opportunities for scholarships and things to go to college and play sports by just a couple of years. Um, and, and I think I would have qualified, quite frankly. I was six feet tall. I was a good basketball player. I was a dead eye on shooting. I was a I was good. I was a solid center defensively. And um but you hear these girls say, look, I've, lo- I've lost scholarship opportunities. Oh. You know, I'm in a different situation now about going to college because I, I, I wasn't, I'm not qualifying because I lost opportunities. 
And those are sad stories yes. to hear. And so I, I really think that all across this country, we're not the only state. This is happening all across the country yep. where you have Republican leadership. They are saying enough is enough and are putting the brakes or trying to put the brakes on. Yeah. You know, some states have done it successfully, but um, we're, we've got a different situation with the governor. <sighs> Lord, help us. Well, I saw a great meme online and I shared it on my social media. It says many people try to excuse their, their sin by saying, I was born this way, mm. which is why Jesus said, you must be born again. Uh, I just, just love that. And of course, referring to John chapter three. But Julaine, there's a couple bills. I'm looking at a Senate bill, 411, is it 412, 413? Um, that's in Wisconsin, of course. Um, these are related to anti-racism and anti-sexism pupil instruction. Uh, what are these bills supposed to do and, and how will they help? Well, look, these are spinning from the critical race theory that's being promoted in public schools all across the country. Let's go back to the 1619 project, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is hitting public schools everywhere, not just in Wisconsin. Our listeners that are tuned in from other states, look, it's it's where you live too. Yeah. Um, these bills are similar to other bills that are being put together across the country. That are are they're not using the terms critical race theory, but they're using the words that are used in those. Uh, curriculum uh, packages and proposals all in training, by the way, all across the country. And we know it's happening here in Wisconsin. They're training our teachers in critical race theory, how to promote it, how to teach it in schools um, all across our state. So they're ready for the fall. And so look, the theory behind this is that critical race theory promotes racism. <laughs> you know, yeah. it promotes discrimination against um a, a, an ethnic group. Why? Because they basically say, if you're white, you're bad. Exactly. <laughs> that, that is that is discrimination. That's racism. And so the wording of these bills that we're considering here, and by the way, we have three of them. One deals with K-12 curriculum and teaching and programs and it says you can't do this. Number The second one is for the collegiate and university level for our university system here. By the, Just remind people, I don't know of any state, David, that doesn't have a publicly funded university system. Mm -hmm. All right. There's leverage there. You know, state government has some leverage over those publicly funded university systems. And we are using that here in Wisconsin to say you don't get to do this in our university system. And the third one is that um, it, it would deal with public employees, government employees, if you will, saying they are not to be subjected to these kinds of training sessions that desensitize them on these issues or actually, it might be better said, supersensitize them to promote the critical race theory in how we deal with um, issues here in Wisconsin. In, at, in our agencies, bureaus, and you know our uh, the bureaucracy, so um, these are newly introduced. They um, I haven't they haven't had hearings yet in our state, but I anticipate they will have hearings. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, I think they'll land on the governor's desk. Mm. And there are a lot of people, and I see it all the time on social media. Why bother contacting a governor like Governor Evers when we know he's going to veto it? Right. I want to say this to you: If you live in a state where you have a liberal governor, but you have a conservative legislature, it is worth having those bills land on that governor's desk. Number one, you get to talk about the issue. Number two, you give that governor an opportunity to do the right thing. And that's important. And it's important that your elected officials at the legislative level also get the opportunity to do the right thing. These these are not meaningless efforts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the and, and then you get to say, OK, the governor took an action that I disagree with or I agree with. And you reflect that when you get the opportunity to vote for the governor the next time. David, th th these are not senseless, meaningless uh unworthy efforts that state legislatures take up even when they know a governor will veto. Hmm. There is a phenomenal article. I'm talking about 20 pages, an extensive arg article called Critical Race Theory in Wisconsin K-12 Education that I will be uh, putting in today's podcast at standupforthetruth.com. Jelaine, I don't, you've, you sent me the link. I, was, I saw, got this link a couple weeks ago and there's some astounding statements, but basically it says questionable curriculum, critical race theory in Wisconsin, a continuing series. Do, do Wisconsin schools teach CRT or maybe by another name? And then how widespread is the push to replace the founding 
principle equality for all with the Marxist ideal equality imposed on everyone. And then it says critical race theory seeks to fundamentally and profoundly change the United States forever because it preaches that the U.S. was founded on racism. So, Jelaine, your thoughts, well, if you can condense some of this and what you'd like to share about this, the warning people about this. Okay, look, if, if you want to fundamentally change America, and that should have a familiar ring to people, right? Yeah, Wasn't yeah. that what Obama did? I yes, mean, that's he what did. he said. That's what, he that said was his goal. And did. Yeah, and, and he did. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then you have to go to the heart. You have to get into the minds and hearts of people. Where do you do that? You go to your government-controlled schools. You do that in your K-12 or pre-K-12 now system, and you go into your university system. Uh, the Marxists and the socialists among us are not stupid. They understand that the basic look years when 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 communism and Marxism for, and humanism all came, you know, into some kind of a written idea uh, years, you know, in the early 20th century. What did they know? They know that you needed to reach the young people. You need to destroy the family. You need to reach the young people, and they do that. And so here they are bringing this heresy into our. And it's by the way. It's not new. It's been around for a long, long time. Critical theory. Now, and now we see an aspect of it called critical race theory, but it's been there, and to one degree or another, for decades. David, it's just yeah. now being able to be talked about more publicly and with with the pro with approval by people at the highest levels of our academic institutions and in our government institutions in the culture in the media they got there through black lives matter they got there through the the riots last year when they started tearing down statues and 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 trying to write the 1619 project and all of that it i'm going to use a very strong word here but it's damnable It, it is it is heretical it destroys the foundational values our country was built on and you have to do that if you're going to advance some Marxist and socialist principles, and I want to interject here, for anyone who thinks that socialism is simply an economic system, mm. I ask you to reconsider that. Yes. This is a worldview, an ideological position that is based on a lie, first of all, mm-hmm. um, practices and values and beliefs that are totally counter to Scripture and they will in order to advance it you must destroy some core beliefs and and foundational institutions if you will in our in our country number 1 yep. you cannot build socialism if you have religious freedom it's just Amen. it's in, it's in, 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 impossible and incompatible yes and so that's one of the things that you see happening through critical race theory Right? In order to advance critical race theory, you have to tear down a lot of the religious freedom that we have. All right, because it's 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 they've it's a critical race theory. It's very big. It's very big in concept and in reach. Okay. The second thing is you got to destroy the family. What has Black Lives Matter done? They they have come in. And they want they they've said from the very beginning we want to destroy the nuclear family. Yes. What's a nuclear family? God's plan for family. Yep, right. Married exactly. mom and dad. Okay. And so they're bringing this systematically now into an organized written format into our schools. They Many times you won't see the word critical race theory. You will see all kinds of euphemisms, all kinds of, hey, hey, David, you know this as better than 90% of the people. If you want to get an idea accepted, play with the language. <laughs> exactly. Rewrite. Right? Yeah. Rewrite the language so it sounds soft and fuzzy and warm and who would be opposed to that? So they use, you won't see them use a lot of the word equality. You will see them use the word equity. Mm-hmm. Okay? Very, very different. Um, and so, so look, they're bringing this in. They're attempting to get to the minds and hearts of young people to disabuse them of what they inherently know to be true. That there is a God. That there is a God that that speaks personally to them. That's in control of things. They, you know, to make the uh, one nation under God, uh, 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 immaterial, unimportant, and maybe even worse, offensive in the pledge. Mm. You know, they're coming in and saying that the founding of our that our founding fathers were strictly slave owners, and um, that the country was founded on on slavery and all the rest of that. And it's not true. Do we have black marks in our American history? You bet we do. We have very, very bad uh, moments in our American history. Mm-hmm. But 
but but I submit to you, David, I don't know about you. I learned about them in school. Didn't you? Yes. Didn't you learn that we didn't always treat people well? We didn't treat Native Americans always well. We didn't treat African Americans well. Slavery was abhorrent. I never learned that slavery was good and appropriate and positive. I never. And by the way, full disclosure, I went to public school in Atlanta, Georgia, until I was in sixth grade. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and you came out all right. That's surprising. Um, well, my point is that yeah. that that there, there's truth out there. It's being overridden by yeah. this. And and by the way, this is summertime, and I would tell every parent who's listening to this, you need to be taking a close look at what's happening in your school. There are options Please. for you, and you need to consider those options. Yes, and I uh, want to echo Alex Newman and Israel Wayne and Sam Sorbo and so many others that say, Please, there should be an exodus from the public schools when it comes to Christian families. But, uh, Julena, I just want to quote Christopher uh, Rufo. He's the director of the Initiative on Critical Race Theory at the Manhattan Institute. He writes that critical race theory prescribes a revolutionary program that would overturn the principles of the Declaration of Independence and destroy the remaining structure of the Constitution. He says it would replace the founding principles of this country, such as equality, excellence, and equal protection under the law, replace them with the communist ideal of equity, just like you alluded to, the difference between equality and equity. That is, every American, no matter their ability, work ethic, or moral fiber, should end up achieving the same result. Now, parents need to know how to respond to this. We know it's bad. Most of us who are informed know it's bad. Uh, Let's take truth over what they're promoting and facts over feelings because you feel like, well, yeah, maybe this will help uh, the injustice of the past. Well, (laughs) we're getting in a whole other conversation with that, but (laughs) let's just direct them to this extensive article and don't think that it's not happening in your state or your local school. That's one of the most frustrating things I hear from parents. Jelaine, we've got a minute and a half, and I would just like to loosen you, let you loose, (laughs) and just share your thoughts on parents that are maybe naive and maybe really don't know that this is happening in their son or daughter's school. Thank you, David, for setting that up. Look, I'm with you. I am grieved when I hear that. I get angry, too. Mm. But I hear that from parents all the time, that it's not happening in my school. I've got Christian teachers, blah, blah, blah. I I get that you might have a Christian teacher, parents. I get that, and I'm glad. But I'm telling you that the curriculum and the direction that our public schools are going under the government mandates and under the decisions of school boards and under the the press of administrations and directors of curriculum is they are putting this into your school's program somehow, some way, someplace. In addition to that, this will also promote the LGBTQ plus agenda. David, I don't know how else to say this. This is a package deal. Yep. It is is everything. It's pro-abortion. It's pro-LGBTQ. Parents, please check with your schools. Don't, please, please hear us and respond appropriately. All right, we've got another special guest joining us in the conversation in just a minute with Julian Appling on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're with Julian Appling, and I want to bring in another guest in a minute, but first, we did not get to this poll, the Gallup poll on same-sex marriage. No surprise with the massive onslaught of propaganda for the LGBTQ uh, agenda. Now, uh, the 84% of millennials are on board with same-sex marriage. That's a big jump. 84% uh, supporting same-sex marriage and the LGBTQ community pride, all things considered. Now, we're going to shift to the pro-life topic because we've got Amanda Feinafrock back with us. We interviewed her almost exactly a year ago, and you can find that at StandUpForTheTruth.com. We'll also put a link to it in today's podcast. The title is, Her Premature Twins Died When the Hospital Refused to Treat Them. Amanda is a wife, mother, patient's rights activist, blogger for Save the One, and she resides in the Columbus, Ohio area. And uh, almost four years ago, she had twin boys, Emery and Elliot, who were born prematurely, and the hospital refused to treat them. They died, and she is now trying to work on legislation and help prevent other mothers-to-be from going through the same thing. Amanda, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. 
Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for uh, just being back on with us. The reason I wanted to have you back on, I saw your Facebook post that you're having a candlelight vigil this Saturday, I believe, in Columbus at the State House. First, tell us a little bit about that, and we'll get into your story and bring Julaine in. Well, it's a wonderful event. Um, it's on, I think, a Sunday, the 27th. Um, it, it will be their fourth birthday. Oh, it's a week from and this weekend. Okay. Yeah, we wanted to honor Emery and Elliot. Um, we also wanted to honor all those lost youth in Asia. We're going to have some wonderful speakers at the event. Um, Bobby Schindler. Um, I'll be speaking. Another mom will be speaking. Her name's Sarah Reyes. Her son, um, unfortunately, was euthanized in a hospital. Wow. Um, it was a very, very sad case that I helped work on. Um, and so we're going to, you know, any parent that wants their child to be honored there, we're going to do that. And we're going to do a moment of silence and we're going to have speakers. And then we're also going to release some balloons after it's going to be a beautiful oh, neat. celebration of change as well. Wow. And your son's boys, twin boys would have been four years old um, that weekend. Now, um, I want to bring yeah. Julaine Appling in, Wisconsin Family Council President. And Julaine, um, Amanda had to go through this because at the time in Ohio, there was a law or there wasn't a law protecting premature babies. And the, this, this issue of viability comes up and they cut it off at, I think it was 23 weeks. Is that correct, Amanda? Um, they put in my documents and assured me personally if I made it to 22 weeks and five days. Oh, um, wow. So, Julaine. Uh, yeah, and I did make it to 22 weeks and five days, but they still refused to care or transfer me or you were, do anything. Okay, so you were in the hospital at that time, almost four years ago. Julaine, do you know of anything in Wisconsin that whatever the the, the state, whatever viability that, that healthcare workers could not help premature babies. Do you know anything about that? Okay. I've been w working in Wisconsin on the life issues for 20, going on 24 years. And I will tell you that, well, we're not a single issue group. We're very invested in this. And I, I know that this is a topic that is talked about. I don't think we have a bright line. All right. Um, I, I know that the the two major hospital systems, the freighter system here in Wisconsin and the UW system, um, regularly help uh, pre uh, prematurely born babies. I do know that they are constantly talking about the controversy about, all right, where, at what point is, um, at what point do we not provide that care? I don't think I, I, I'm I'm 90 percent I'm 99 percent sure that we have not passed a law that clearly protects a premature baby. All right, um, and at what point that is? So, um, uh, Amanda, your story is heartbreaking beyond belief. Yes. Just absolutely heartbreaking. You know, we deal with this on the abortion side of it. Uh, you know, we're trying to do a born alive infant protection act, um, and it would seem to me that. I, I'm going to talk with my pro-life friends too to, to to see what what they're thinking about this because it would seem to me this is kind of a no-brainer that if a baby is born, we do everything we can to save that baby, regardless of the age of yes. the baby. Yes. Well, let's go on record to uh, re remind people that it was Barack Obama was one of the only senators at the time before he was elected president that voted against at the time the Born Alive Infant Protection Act. And that he would just be okay with a baby in pain, crying on a cold metal table, and oh. the nurses or healthcare workers could not help that baby at all because it was, quote, the will of the mother. In that case, that was a baby that survived an abortion. But Amanda, tell us what you've been working on and have you made progress in the last year since we talked in any legislation oh, in Ohio? Go ahead, share with us uh, some well, some good news. Hopefully. First of all, <laughs> there's federal legislation that protects families from this. Unfortunately, there's no teeth to that and they get away with it. Explain um, that. Um, such as EMTALA. So CMS went in and investigated Riverside 
directly, and they did find them guilty of violating the Emergency Medical Labor and Treatment Act. Mm. These hospitals are federally funded, Mm -hmm. okay? They are supposed to provide aggressive treatment unless there's a DNR in place. I requested full aggressive treatment. So after that happened, HHS last September decided, okay, we're going to go in and see if there's any further violations. And so that's where we stand right now with the hospital is they're currently under a federal investigation with the Office of Civil Rights. Um, But that, with that, uh, most parents don't know to do that, unfortunately. They don't know to file a complaint with your insurance company, file a complaint with the Office of Civil Rights. Wow. You know, file a complaint here, file a complaint there. Now, are you talking about after the fact? File a complaint with, yeah, after the fact. To file a complaint. I filed several complaints with several different places. I tried to get an attorney for state, you know, malpractice, but I couldn't get one. Hmm. Um, So that was an issue. And plus, Ohio has a two year statute of limitations. That doesn't give families enough time to grieve. Wow. And so that's something that I wanted to fix in this legislation. Um, in the bill, it states five years statute. So we went ahead and changed that. Um, also, viability. Viability right now is 21 weeks, and it is constantly right. changing, right? With the more medical Indeed it is. Indeed society, it is. Yeah. These children can live younger and younger. And mm-hmm. so in our bill, we address that. 21 weeks and older need to be saved. And when viability changes, the hospital needs to change with it. They need to change the standard of care with it. Julian, your thoughts um, real quick? Well, I, I, yeah, um, Amanda, um, I want to make sure. I, what's the status of your bill? Um, it has currently went to the Senate committee, the Senate Health Committee here. And okay. the senator sponsoring the bill, Senator Terry Johnson, recently gave his testimony in okay. regards to the bill. And well, I will be providing my testimony. We're hoping in August so they can get done the budget thing so they can really focus on the issue at hand. Well, that is good news. I hope that you're working with my counterpart there, uh, Aaron Baer, um, with uh, Center for Christian Values. Um, Center for Christian Values. Yeah, um, it sounds like something that they would would be very much uh, interested in. And um, I, I certainly wish you all the best. I think this is important, and it, it causes me to say, I'm going to do some in-depth research here to make <laughs> sure, because I think it's really important. And this issue of viability, David, we need to, that's something that people need to understand. Amanda is exactly right. The more, the, the better. The better the technology and science gets on what's going on, you know, in, in utero, um, the, the, the more the viability line shifts. And, and we mm-hmm. just need legislation needs to be written to account for that. Mm. Amen. So I, do, nothing but kudos to you, Amanda. The hospital and the physicians. Yeah. There needs to be some kind of consequence for them doing this to families because, you know, the loss of a child in general is very difficult. Um, people sustain drug abuse. People commit suicide. Mm. People lose faith in God. Yes. Divorce rates are high. Mm. I mean, the number of things that it directly affects these families, but not these physicians making these decisions, is disturbing. Yes. They should not be making these kinds of life and death decisions that do not directly impact their lives. And they're protected, right, is what, uh, from your case that you've been working on, the hospital that you went to? They're protected statatewide, not mm-hmm. federally. Okay. Okay. Well, Amanda. But it is very difficult to get that federal complaint to go through. You really have to provide a lot of information. It's a long process. Hmm. And a lot of people just don't know, you know, the average person doesn't know. And thank God I had some wonderful people come into my life and help me with these kinds of things. Yes. Um, Julaine, what was the name of the, the person at the uh, council there in Ohio? 
Aaron Bear. Aaron B-A-E-R, Bear. Aaron Bear. B-A-E-R. So, Amanda, you might want to check into that. I'm glad I was able to have Julaine on with us while we got an update on your story. Uh, we've got two minutes left. Um, Amanda, you've got the vigil coming up a week from this weekend. Um, how are you doing and your family personally? Uh, I know, I can't imagine how traumatic it was to go through what you did. I mean, we're doing okay. It's a lot of stress. Um it's a lot of stress. You mean to, f- to try to fight for this legislation and all the legal issues, you mean? Yeah. Or personally? It's a lot. It's a lot. Personally, I mean, it creates issues mm. in a marriage. Um, unfortunately, my husband and I are currently separated. So, oh. and, and, and it has a lot to do with that kind of stuff. Okay. It stemmed from that, you know. Um, mm. and, and, it, and it's a lot of stress on both of us because it's, Every time we go to these hearings and things like that, he's still very involved in that. Oh, that's good. Um, every time we go into these hearings, it's like reopening a, a wound, you know. Right. So, Amanda, say your last name for us again. <laughs> it's Finney Frock. Finney Frock. I was saying Finney. So, Finney Frock. Amanda Finney Frock will put your link to your story on today's podcast at standardforthetruth.com. Amanda, um, thank you so much. And I want to encourage you, if you're listening, to pray for her right now before you forget. Pray for Amanda and and her marriage and her health and that they would make impact there in Ohio with uh, some of the legislation. And um, just thank you again for the work that you're doing. And God bless you. Um, we'll Thank hopefully you. talk to you again in the near future. All right, Amanda? And the bill is um, Senate Bill 151, if anybody wants to support it. Okay, in Ohio, Senate Bill 151. All right, closing thoughts, yeah. Julaine, we've got a minute. Yep, these are heartrending situations. And I just, uh, we all need to be aware that when a baby is born, regardless of the situation, regardless of the time, and that that, that baby deserves every opportunity to, to survive. And medical personnel need to step in, and parents need to have a say in all of this. And those um, what the parents request needs to be honored. Th- th- this has long tentacles, mm-hmm. okay? It goes into the abortion area. And, yeah. and, and by the way, she mentioned Bobby Schindler. We didn't talk about who Bobby Schindler was, okay? Mm-hmm. But uh, Bobby Schindler is uh, Terry Schiavo's brother. Right. Right. And Terry Schiavo, you remember this was years ago now, but but boy, that was about feeding tubes being removed and yeah. all of that. These are profoundly important issues. Okay. And Amanda, I want to commend you. I know that this is incredibly uh, stressful and uh, how to get a law passed that in its own right is mm. just a, an amazing feat. Yes. But um, thank you for persevering. And uh, we pray that God will give you incredible blessing during the midst of all of this. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, keep the faith, sister. And uh, Julaine, you yourself, too. Thank you for the work that you do. God bless you both. And uh, we've got to take a break, our final break. When we come back, we'll let you know who our guest is tomorrow on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, tomorrow we've got a brand new guest on, and uh, just just such a blessing to be able to talk to some of the people we've been able to talk to. It's Stephen Garofalo. He's an author, and I can't wait to talk to him about his book. Um, we... It's just such a blessing. If you have an email, we are almost filled booking the month of July already. So Stephen is the founder of Reason for Truth, located in North Carolina, and we'll talk about his latest book. But if you have a suggestion for a guest, comments at standupforthetruth.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.